Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. Whatever you do, do it with excellence. Put in great pride in everything you do and put in your best work and focus. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, a Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from Pauline Lay, the Vice President of Finance for Bertman International, an assessments provider in Houston, Texas. Pauline is a very open and just upbeat individual. I think you're really going to find this episode not just insightful, but also refreshing. She really was a pleasure to interview. You'll hear this from Pauline in the interview as well, but just to summarize, Pauline's career covers government, nonprofits, for-profit commercial industry, and even a tiny bit of public accounting. Several times she compares and contrasts the different roles, and so if you're considering which direction you may want to go with your career, this is definitely going to be a beneficial episode for you. Pauline also talks a little bit about her certifications, which among others includes the CPA certification. So if that's a goal of yours, please check out our website because we have affiliate links to most of the major review course programs there at Where Accountants Go. Taking a review course can really make a big difference in the likelihood of success on an exam, or at least it did for me personally. So you may want to check that out. Once again, the website is whereaccountantsgo.com and you can look under the groups and certifications page. That's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Pauline Lay, VP of Finance for Berkman International. Well, hello, Pauline. Thank you again for scheduling this. I'd like to make sure that we balance out our guests so that we show all the opportunities that are available to those of us with accounting backgrounds. So I think your story is going to be really beneficial to the audience. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for having me. I've been looking forward to this, and it was really nice meeting you as well. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, it'll be a fun experience. For the audience, Pauline Lay is on the line with us today. I met Pauline a few months ago at a career night, actually, at the Houston CPA Society offices. It was an alternative careers night, interestingly enough, and I was intrigued by Pauline's background, so I reached out to her to come on the show, and obviously, since we're recording this, she was very gracious and said yes. Pauline, I definitely want to get into your current role because, honestly, the assessments industry is just one of those that piques my personal interest, but before we do that, I always like to start at the beginning so the audience you know, gets an idea of how your career started and how you progressed along the way. What initially made you think about accounting as a possible career in the first place? For me, I did not think of accounting as my career when I started out in college. I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. So my home family, I have six other sisters and two brothers. They're all in IT. So I came to the States when I was 16 years old. And it was in the early 90s, and I got two years in high school. 
then I went on to college and I asked my brother who has a master's in computer science at the time. And I'm like, what major should I go into? And he's like, IT, you know, no planner. <laughs> and I looked at him. I'm like, but I have no interest in IT. So he's <laughs> like, just give it a try. So I tried it out and I hated it. I just couldn't get into it. So I, instead of IT, like everyone else in my family, I majored in business administration during the first two years, just to see how it goes. I thought of being an MBA down the road. So that was fun. And we had some accounting courses as a requirement for the program. And then I got into accounting classes and I started liking them. I'm like, this actually works. It may work. So, but I still didn't decide. So in my third year, my accountant professor actually started giving us CPA exam questions. He would teach his class, and at the end of the class, he would read out questions from the exam and have us answer, like, really fast. Whoever answered the fastest get a high five or something. And I got excited, and that's when I decided maybe accounting is the role for me. But I graduated with an accounting degree, liked it, but still did not pursue the CPA certification. It was no one in my family ever knew to recommend that. They all graduated with IT degree, so I was the odd one now. That's how I started in college. And not until my third job, I was reporting to a controller at Parson History Association who then looked at me and said, you know what, you have to go for the CPA exam. You're too bright. Go take it, and you're going to do well. So that's when I decided to go down the path, and it's been a very fun experience. Wow. Just a couple of questions. <laughs> fill, in, fill in the gap. So the audience knows, because our audience is varied, you know, quite a bit. Where are you from originally? You said you moved. Oh, yes. Originally, I'm from Vietnam. I was yeah. born a year after the war, so I did not know anything about the Vietnam War. But what was interesting was that it was some hard time for our country. Fortunately, I was too young to remember any of that. But my brother... My eldest brother actually escaped the country and came to the U.S. when I was three. So he's the one who gets settled in the States and in the D.C. area. I did not move to Houston until 2006. I had, when we settled in the U.S., we lived in the D.C. area with him leading the way and making sure that we finish school and be well brought up. So that's where I'm from. I'm a first-generation immigrant from Vietnam to sum it up. Well, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm curious also the IT track. You mentioned the rest of your family in IT. That's interesting because actually, we, as of the time we're recording this, we've had a few recent guests that have taken their career down the IT track. They started in accounting and then, then went the opposite way, you know. But how far along were you? Was that a decision... Like, were you taking IT classes in college or, or high school, or how did that work? When did you make that decision? To, uh, that, it was in college. Okay. Yeah, and it was, I remember, it was a visual basic class. Oh. And, yeah, and he said, this is like the easiest class. You do well. And I came out and I said, I still didn't do well. Something is wrong. And I thought something was wrong with me. So he's like, well, then, you know, what major do you want to do? What do you want to grow up? doing. And I said, I want to be a businesswoman. And business administration is the obvious thing. So he said, then shoot for the MBA then. But I fell in love with accounting while well, by year three. So it was a little bit late, but it was really fun. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a latecomer. 
I didn't know what I want. <laughs> Could have been much later, actually. You, you caught it fairly early. That's good. That's, I guess that's smart. If you don't like the most basic course that you're taking, well, then it's probably a good time to change. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you mentioned this controller that suggested you take the, the CPA exam. I guess, tell us more about that. Where were you working at the time? By that time, I had left the government accounting work and public accounting. In D.C., a lot of the public accounting firms had nonprofit clients. So I got into Parson history from public accounting, actually. It's a nonprofit entity, but it's really interesting. The controller was new to the entity as well, and she was looking for a GL accountant to help her with closing the books and issuing financial statements. And she found me on a job board. So we started working together, and she started training me a lot more than just a GL accountant. So I was really fortunate to work with her. She was a CPA, and she was really passionate about the profession and the path forward and how to grow the next generation of good CPA. So it was a very, it was actually a turning point for me huh. when I realized that there's a lot of fun in the profession. <laughs> yeah. She was a great mentor. I'm curious, you know, for some listeners that may not have pursued their CPA exam right out of college, how old were you when you started the, the oh, study gosh. process? Uh, more or less. <laughs> 26. Oh, okay. Yeah, I graduated from high school a year later because I came, when I came to the States, I was in my junior year of high school. So I pushed back one year. So I went, I spent two years in high school mainly to learn English because I got most or not, if not all of my credits in already. But those two years were critical to pick up on the language and to go on to college. So I graduated from college a year later than everyone else. I was 23. I did not start pursuing the CPA until I was in my late 26. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You had a few years to forget a couple things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did forget a lot. It was something that I wouldn't do again. (laughs) But you made it and that's what's important. That's what's important. So I did want to ask you about your time in the D.C. area because it appears like you worked for a few different, you know, governmental-related institutions, and I'm a little ignorant of that industry, so to speak. What did you like about, you know, working in those organizations, and what advice would you have for, you know, younger professionals just starting their career? What should they know about that if that's a direction they want to go in? Yeah, for me, I personally enjoy my time there. I had an internship with the PPGC, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. It was a government agency, and the internship was through a government contractor. So they outsourced certain function of the finance department to us. So I got exposed to governmental accounting firsthand, which I didn't expect and didn't really like at first. And then When I got into it and started learning and doing, then I started seeing the value of it. There's a sense of protecting the public interest. So PPGC is actually protecting pension plan participants all around the country. So just to hear their story, just to see what they were doing was inspiring to me. So that was my early exposure to the public interest and and how we accountants can help protect it. Then... Actually, the job just 
did not grow itself. And after a year or so, I got bored. So that's when I went into public accounting. But in public accounting, my job at PPGC was mostly in compliance, doing check-in expense and things like that. So it got repetitive, but it led me to the compliance auditing role in public accounting for a while. And it was fun until I got bored again. I'm like, that's it. That's all I'm doing. After six months, I'm like, what else can I do? So the scope of the job was just that. Just our clients at the time were unions, labor unions. So we would represent them and we would visit employer side and make sure that they were in compliance with the rules and regulations that they were about to. So after that, I started thinking about going out to business and industry. And parts and history found me, and it was actually a very good fit because although it's a nonprofit, I walked in with the attitude of or with the thinking that this is a nonprofit entity, but we were actually a retailer. We were selling books in all of the national parts in the D.C. area. So I got exposure to inventory accounting and retail inventory accounting and budgeting, and it was really fun. So Learning a lot under the controller's wings was what helped and really got me to understand more and appreciate more what the nonprofits were doing. So at Parson History, we really appreciated the U.S. history. So it's all about the history in the region of the country and how much we appreciate it. It was just hearing the passion from all of our employees, from our leaders, was really inspiring. and. For the IPAA organization, again, I was recruited away from my second public accounting firm. We were also serving nonprofit clients in the D.C. area, and I was doing outsourced controllership work. So IPAA happened to look for a director of finance at the time, and a recruiter found me. And I just stepped in and just do what I was doing, but they were representing independent oil and natural gas producer. Um, all across the country, and they were really passionate about it. So just to be there, and it's not like they're not business owners, but they really believe in the mission of their entities and how they can represent their members and how they can relieve history was inspiring for me. So that's some path for anyone interested in the nonprofit arena. If they want to go out there, make sure that they understand the mission and the values of the government or nonprofit entities that they get into, make sure that it aligns with their values and sense the passion of the organization's leaders. If you can sense it and you can align with it, you're going to be a good part of the team. And what's more is that when you work with those entities, there's a certain attitude for the public's interest. It's not just for the profit. It's how can they get better financially so that they can come back and serve the community better. That's a good point. It really is. Yeah. Take us from there to what you're doing now with Bergman International. I mean, how did you get to Bergman, and were there any steps in between? <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting turn as well. Back in 2006, when I was very happy at IPAA, my husband came home one day and say, hey, my company, and he was looking for a software company in Maryland, and he said they were acquiring another software firm in Houston, and they're looking for volunteers to move to the Houston area. He has family here in the area, and he asked if I would be interested. So my first instinct was like, but I don't have oil and gas accounting background. 
all my background is in nonprofit, so I'm not moving until there's a job lined up for me. And he's like, well, that's fine. We could wait. So I had my resume uploaded onto one of the job boards just in general. And then Berkman found me through there. And the COO reached out and started having phone conversation with me. So I told him, I'm like, my background is in nonprofit. And the first thing he said that was really funny was like, well, apparently Berkman is operated by a nonprofit. You have to, <laughs> to come here and see it for yourself. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we operate like a nonprofit, but we need the nonprofit discipline. Can you bring that in? And I... You know, so when, when I walked in and they actually invited me to the Houston office, met up with Dr. Berkman, his daughter, the CEO, and then the COO. And then I learned about the family business. And it was, of course, the assessment industry. And the more I learned about it, I could feel, again, I could feel how much they love their products, how much they're passionate about the business. But there's not a lot of financial discipline in it. The COO statement started making sense because the business was so passionate about the products and about serving the customer, but they keep forgetting to look at their financial performance and how to put financial measures and internal controls in place. So I looked at that and I'm like, actually, yeah, it's going to be fun. So I accepted the offer shortly afterwards and that's how I made it here to Houston and I've been with Berkman ever since. Okay. Were you their first financial manager or controller? Or? Yes. I am okay. their first ever CPA on staff. <laughs> yeah. It's really fun because I walked in, I see a lot of potentials with the company. Berkman is a great assessment tool, and I had to take the Berkman myself to see it because I've taken other assessment before. Until I saw the Berkman, I'm like, well, there's a lot of value in there, but the company doesn't ever have any marketing campaign, people found us via worst of mouth. So one consultant said, oh, you need to use this assessment, this assessment, and then they keep spreading the word. So that's how we were growing. But everything we had was homegrown, and there was not a lot of structures around it. So it was actually, to me, it felt like it's a startup environment with an existing product line and existing customer base, which is a great opportunity for any finance professional to come in and start rolling up their sleeves and start putting things in order. What kind of assessments does Berkman do exactly? Yeah, we do personality assessment. Basically, there's a series of questions. they true and false, and you answer them, and it measures four aspects of your personality. Most assessments out there would measure one or two. Berkman measures a lot more than that. So we measure the effective style, the personality style that is visible to others. And then what motivates you, your interests, and your expectation or your needs of others, how you expect others to treat you in order to be effective. And then it also then gives you insights into your stress behavior that sometimes you're not even aware that you had it. So to me, that was an eye-opener, and that's what makes the Berkman so valuable in a lot of applications. So Berkman is widely used for executive coaching, team building, career management, hiring selection, and conflict resolution. It's a very, very insightful assessment. Yeah, that was actually your answer to my next question. I was <laughs> It was only a pre-employment tool or a coaching tool. And, okay, beautiful. Yeah, it has a lot of good applications. 
Okay. Okay. And it sounds it sounds like you're very hands on. You know a lot about the product, not just about accounting. <laughs> I can't help it. One of the things that I like about Bergman is that the company is very supportive of its employees. When I work at Bergman here, they always encourage continuous learning, keep learning, and they don't let you shy away from being curious. And for someone like me who wants to learn everything and to know everything just for the fun of it, it's a perfect environment. It's really so fun. How long, how long have you been with Bergman now? I've been with Bergman for almost 12 years. I started out as the controller and director of financial operations, and then four years later, got promoted into vice president of finance and treasurer, so that expanded my role a little bit, so I got to touch other areas as well, but I'm still having the core financial management function in in my hands, so it's really fun. Just to give us a ballpark idea, how large a team do you have in finance and treasury and accounting? Oh, not so much. Not so large. We have, I recently handed off human resources to operations. I used to manage human resources as well. So on the finance and accounting side, I have three employees. And on extra side, I had one extra manager and we were in the process of recruiting for another extra professional. So my team now, we have recently reduce it to just four people. Okay. Just for the purposes of comparing and contrasting, you know, what do you feel have been some of the benefits of being in this, you know, commercial organization versus the governmental and nonprofits before? Because we we talked a lot about the benefits there, and I know that's right for some people, but what do you enjoy about this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I, actually what I enjoy most about being in a commercial environment is that this is the sense of helping the business owners and the company grow because it feels like the business owners are very, they love their products, they love the company, but they could use better financial planning and they could use better financial advisors. At Berkman, I'm not only exposed to corporate accounting, I am also get exposed to partnership as well, because we, when we came in, we did some tax restructuring. And so I'm doing like partnership and corporate accounting as well. And a lot of that at the end of the day, like the Dr. Roger Berkman was a great man. He passed away in 2014, about four years ago. He was one of the kindest people I've ever met. Very caring, always wanted to make a difference in people's lives and transform people's life with the product. So he was never about the money. And his daughters are the same way. So they was always just wanting to make a difference, but kind of neglected the financial aspect of the business. So what I enjoy most is that I got to see Berkman grow in a more disciplined manner that we had. I established the budget process. I put things in place and, you know, just, just see the R's and the O's in their eyes. I'm like, wow, you should have had this like 50 years ago. But, you know, putting in some of the discipline that really helps the business and really tracks and measure our performance and just seeing how appreciative they are that we have a structure in place that we can operate like a grown-up company, not a mom-and-pop environment, and how proud of that 
that they are of the company, it's, it's very fulfilling. It feels like I'm adding value. And a lot of times what I do and what I tell my team too is to put themselves in the business owner's shoes, do the right thing, and make sure that we understand the value. So we live by the value of the corporation. We live by those. What the owners believe in and what they aspire to be, the company has to be aligned with that. So, and Berkman is like one of the most caring companies. They very, they really care about employees. They really want to do the best thing for us, and they really want to help customers succeed. So that's something that really aligns with my personal value, and it makes me more inspired to work and to be here and to make a difference and to keep improving. Yeah, it is. It is good to be in a an appreciative environment like that. Definitely. Yeah. You know, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, we've had several guests that are active in the state CPA society. We haven't had too many that are active with AICPA, or not that we've talked about at least. We've had a few. I noticed that you've done some committee work with AICPA. How did you get involved with AICPA? And I guess, you know, what have you enjoyed about that? What have you done exactly with the national organization? I like to say that we stumble upon each other. <laughs> I actually... <laughs> After I got promoted to VP of Finance and I started extending my roles and understanding more about business environment, I started thinking about, oh my gosh, like maybe I need to be in a CFO club or something because there's so much that need to be looked at and review and revisit within our operational environment. So then AICPA came out with the CGMA designation in 2012. And I looked at that and I'm like, oh gosh, it's actually everything I'm looking for. So if you're familiar with the designation of the Charter Global Management Accountant, it's for CPA, back then it's for CPA with at least three years of financial management experience. So I signed up for that one, mainly just for the resources available within CGMA. So then somehow the AICPA asked me one day to participate in one of their focus group to establish the management accounting principle here in the Houston CPA Society. And I thought, well, of course, I would love to. So I participated. After that, they asked if I would be on a CFO panel. AICPA was working with the TSCPA at the time. And I'm like, sure. I love I really love the CGMA materials and the resources, and I was so appreciative of the AICPA thinking of that and pushing that forward. For people like me, it's tremendously helpful. So about a couple years later, I got a call from one of the conference committee. They wanted me to join the controller's planning committee. That's an annual conference that we hold, and they alternate location in Orlando one year and in Las Vegas another year. And it attracts controllers and CFO all over the country and some from Canada. So at that time, I just, you know, I have always been very appreciative of all of the efforts that AICPA has put in. So it was a chance for me to give back to the profession and to help out. So I said, yes. And I've been on that committee ever since. And it's really, really fun. Yeah. Okay. I just am always curious because... You know, we have a lot of touches, so to speak, with the state society through local chapters. With the national organization, you just don't see that as much. So, okay. Well, there's 
one question I want to ask before we get to the final questions, because I, I just sort of found this intriguing. So you mentioned that the rest of your family is in IT, that you took one visual basic class and hated it and decided to change. And yet you have the CITP, the Certified Information Technology Professional designation. How, how, how did that happen? You know, you asked the exact question that my brother asked when I told him that I passed the exam. So my answer to him was, I guess it's still in my blood. <laughs> Actually, I I was attending some AICPA conferences, and I was in sessions where the CITP was speaking, and I was intrigued by his understanding of business solution architectures and how accountants can add value by simply understanding the IT environment and how it's related and how we can leverage that knowledge to financial security. So it took me a while to decide to sit for the exam, but the timing couldn't be more perfect because Berkman, we spent a lot of time working on our strategy and business initiative because Berkman gives our the personality assessment completely online. We do have an information system that needs to be understood and managed and well integrated. So I had always wanted to be a CITP. It all started from my curiosity. What does a CITP know that a CPA, a regular CPA, wouldn't know? So that was just my thinking at the time. So when I decided to sit for the exam, I actually studied the materials and tried to apply that to what I can bring back to Berkman. The understanding of it is really, it's more fun than what I thought back then in college, probably because I can apply the knowledge to the job and our operating environment to get a better understanding and to actually improve relationships within departments. Because when I'm sitting at the decision table, if the IT team has an initiative that they propose or say the marketing team has an initiative that they propose, and if I did not have the understanding of information security, I wouldn't be able to participate or to add value. So having that knowledge, it would, I would just be intrigued by what the additional knowledge would bring to my role. So that was all. So I guess I think there's still some curiosity there for okay. me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just had to ask, and obviously you do have some inherited talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. My brother would really appreciate that. <laughs> yes, your family can be proud. Okay. Well, I end every podcast with the same three questions. I think it gives us some good consistency across the episodes. The first one is usually the easiest for the guest. What has been your proudest moment? It's going to be my proudest moment. It's going to be personal, but I think I was, what makes me the proudest is when I decided to be ordained as a Buddhist Zen monastic for a week. It was only a week, but I was so proud of it. And the reason being was that I'm a meditator, but I'm not as disciplined as I wanted to be. So I've always wondered, what would a Zen monastic be doing all day? You know, being a curious person, I, I'm curious about a lot of things. So when I attended a meditation retreat 
two years ago, and there was an opportunity for those who attended the retreat to become ordained. Just to try it out, I signed up, and uh, I got my head shaved. It's about letting go, and there was, you know, just wearing very simple clothes, shave your head, no makeup, nothing, and every day you meditate. I came back and shocked my husband big time, but... If what I learned from there is not just the outside look of of things. It's actually being intensely mindful of your thoughts and actions and behavior. It was a great time to have some self-reflection. And what I got out of that was that I learned to be more humble and to be more understanding and to be really objective in everything that I do. So that I say that's my proudest moment, although I freaked all of my family out. So I'm, I'm not sure if they would be proud of that. But yeah, it was fun. Well, tell us about a mistake you made. And frankly, you know, the bigger, the better. But of course, we'd also like to know what you learned from it. Yeah, I have you want a big mistake. I might have one for you. If there's something I could learn about my mistake is not utilizing our own products when hiring and managing employees, and I'm talking to finance employees. So like I told you before, Berkman is a personality assessment tool that is really valuable. And as a no-nonsense finance person, I came in with the attitude of, if I'm hiring someone, I just want to know that they are technically capable of doing their job. And so I looked at background, experience, competency, and I did not for, it was years ago, I did not use the Berkman for it. So that was, that turned out to be a, the biggest mistake because what I learned from it was that I had hired this controller, this position, and she appeared on the surface having my personality. Like we clicked and we understood each other and you know, she was higher. I thought it was a great hire. But it turns out that our needs, the motivation and the needs are completely different. So when you don't know until you work with someone that there are conflicts. And when you're under stress, the conflicts just get inflated and, and things just did not work out. So let's just say that it was not a fun experience for either one of us. We ended up understanding each other. And ironically, on her very last day, we looked at each other's birthday and we started laughing about it. We're like, oh, yeah, this is why. We did not have any ill wills toward each other, but I wish that I myself would have used the Berkman product when I hire a Berkman employee because hiring someone and then seeing them go is still a process. And there was training and there was expectation management all around it. And then it takes some time to fire replacement and to change our course. So it to me, I think what I learned from it is like utilize all the tools that you have out there. I didn't have an extra professional in-house either. So, so what I also learned from that is like, you know, maybe it's time we could use an extra professional in-house and don't deal with this. I was still operating with the small business mindset. And I have to grow out of that. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of good lessons came out of that. And, and you had a great internal story that I'm sure they remind you of every once in a while. <laughs> yes. I, 
as a typical accountant, I I'm not. I have to say, and fortunately, the Berkman family is very understanding, and, and they laugh because they know my personality. I did not take our assessment seriously when I first started, and that's part of not really understanding our products that I could have done better. So I learned big time from that. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? My best piece of advice to me is focus. Whatever, and I learned that from the mentor controller that I talked to you about at Parson History. She was very encouraging, expected highly of me. And one thing that she taught me when I was working with her was that whatever you do, do it with excellence. Put in great pride in everything you do and put in your best work and focus. Just think of the outcome and think of how you're making a difference. So to me, that speaks for itself. You start everything with an excellent expectation and then you go and put your best foot forward and do it. That is good advice. That is good advice. Thank you again, Pauline, for sharing this with the audience. I know it's going to be really beneficial. Well, for the audience, this has been another episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you haven't yet visited our home website, please do so. You can find that online at whereaccountantsgo.com. Once again, it's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. And on that note, Pauline, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, thank you, Mark, for having me. For the audience, I think from my personal experience, what my, and I'll go back to my brother, what he told me when I first came to this date, I'm going to pass it along to you, is that whenever I was hesitated that I couldn't accomplish something, that something seemed to be so hard, he would answer my concern with one single sentence. If other people can do it, so can you. So for those of you who are aspiring to be to become CPAs, go for it. It's a great destination. It's not the end of a journey. It's the beginning of a very fulfilling journey. You get to extend a lot of your knowledge and get to know a lot of good people and, and get to learn more as a CPA. Learning never stops for us. So keep going at it. Whatever you want to do, try to pursue it. That's very inspirational. Very well said. Well, thank you again to the audience for joining us. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.